Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. Motley Fool Money. Stock of the Week. G'day fools and welcome back for 2022 to our, our flagship, our marquee series, our YouTube and podcast series, Motley Fool Stock of the Week, where every single Wednesday this year, we're going to bring you one of the stock recommendations behind the curtain. That's right, one of the premium recommendations from one of the Motley Fool services here in Australia. Why do we do it? We want to help you find great stocks. We're going to help you understand a little bit more about The Motley Fool, the way we go about picking companies. And we want to introduce you to some of The Motley Fool investment team because if you're going to join us or if you already do join us, you're looking for more from our services, there's a little taster, a little bit from the inside to you so you can see a little bit more about what goes on and how we do what we do, which has led, by the way, across The Motley Fool to many, 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 many market-beating stock recommendations and some losers. As always, we're not going to hide from those, but this is our effort to share with you for free, capital F-R-E-E, uh, something from The Motley Fool for you. So let's get into it in a minute. But before we do, I'm going to go through our regular, yep, still back for 2022, reminders about how you should use Stock of the Week. Whether you're a regular listener or viewer, whether you're here for the first time, we want you to know this is a buy recommendation we're about to bring you. That's a buy recommendation right now in the middle of January 2022. It may change based on a whole lot of things. Circumstances, valuation, uh, competition, value, anything, literally anything could change our view. Now, we're hoping to hold most of our buy recommendations for multiple years, not just weeks or months. So we're hopeful this won't change too quickly, but you need to know it's possible. And so this is a point in time recommendation. Secondly, speaking of which, we're not making recommendations for those days, weeks or months ahead. We have no idea where these stocks are gonna go in the next week or two or five or 10 or 25 or 52. We're not sure, we don't know. You can't know, we don't believe, where the share prices will move in the short term. But we're looking at businesses that we like for the long term and share prices we think are attractive over that long term. So if you're gonna take the advice, we hope you will. If you're going to, uh, then know that it's a long-term recommendation, not one we're saying is gonna double next week. Lastly, back to that uh, advice you might take, we can only give you general advice, of course, not personal advice. General advice means we can say we like company X. We can't say you, dear viewer or dear listener, should buy it personally because we want you to make sure you understand how it fits with your risk tolerance, your circumstances, objectives, all the things that go with financial planning in general. We can't give that personal advice. We can only give you the general advice and ask you to consider how it suits your circumstances. Right, so that's out of the way the first time this year. Welcome to Stock of the Week, Ed Vesely. How are you, mate? Not too bad, Scott. Uh, it's been a good year so far, so um, I'm looking forward to discussing today's company idea. As am I, mate. It's going to be a good one. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. Uh, look, the team do a great job of... This is not their core business, by the way, appearing on videos and podcasts. Uh, these guys are fantastic investors and business analysts. And so when they do spend some time to, to come on, I personally appreciate it. I know our viewers and our listeners do as well. Ed, we are going to talk about a business, uh, and it's a business that on its face is pretty Boring. Can I say boring? Is that okay? Um, it's not something that's going to get the, the tech boffins excited. It's not one that's going to be in the, the front page of the AFR anytime soon, or maybe it is. I don't know. You can tell me. But it's a business that, like many, many other boring, or air quotes, boring businesses, can go on to be spectacular success stories. And of course, the business we're talking about this time is a little company called Supply Networks. SNL is the ASX ticker code. Actually, I should ask you to correct me first. Is it network or networks? What, have I got it right or wrong? Supply Network. Oh, so close. All right. Supply Network, just singular. One network. You only need one, I suppose, if it's big enough. Uh, mate, let's let's start by, um, by the way, this is a recommendation of The Motley Fool, so it's a current buy recommendation. Let's get that out as well. 
Tell us about, before we get into the investment case proper, tell us what Supply Network, no S, uh, does, mate. Yeah, for sure. And look, uh, the ASX code is SNL, as you say. It doesn't stand for Saturday Night Live, so <laughs> it's the exact opposite of that. It, it is pretty boring. So <laughs> Tuesday morning matinee, is that the uh, Tuesday afternoon matinee? I don't know, something like yeah, that. Yeah, look, you're talking um, truck parts and bus parts, and that's it. We can right, go home now, right. pretty much. Yeah, um, okay, good. Excellent. Um, but look, the company is a distributor. Yeah. for these replacement parts of uh, road transport vehicles. So mm. the company operates just in Australia and just in New Zealand. And as I say, they, they distribute and supply truck parts to, to customers. So you're talking mm. about owners of fleets or even individual small business people that might own a prime mover. Yeah. And so they, uh, they come to supply network, especially if, if the truck is uh, uh, a fairly old truck. Uh, the, mm. There's an ageing fleet. I'll get into that in a moment. But they also, as I say, uh, supply bus parts. Mm. And so specifically what they're doing is they're, they're focusing on a, on, a, on a niche, which is road-registered vehicles of um, four tonnes four tons plus gross vehicle mass, okay. commercial mm. vehicles. So they're not, doing motor vehicle, they're not doing motor vehicles, motorbikes or anything like that. Mm. It's just purely this, uh, this uh, niche here. And uh, as well as supplying parts, it, it does actually add a lot of value uh, to its customers through the determination of the right part because a lot of these trucks and buses uh, are incredibly complex these days. Right. It was a few years ago I actually went to a truck show just, just to show the kids really, uh, you know, what the – I mean, all boys love – yeah, uh, totally. Trucks, right. Yeah, and I was just actually <laughs> surprised by the amount of technology that goes into some of these uh, prime movers. Okay. So they, they determine the right parts for the right job. Um, they'll do whatever it takes for their customers. They work very closely with them to, to get their vehicles uh, back on the roads. So they find the right parts, as I say. They manage the supply of these parts. I guess supply network is pretty descriptive <laughs> of what it does. And they just uh, try to solve whatever problems that the customers might come to them with and try to get uh, just to maintain those trucks and keep them on, and buses on the road. So in terms of how it sells, it's got a number of stores or branches around the country. It sells these under the Multispares brand and uh, it's mm -hmm. possible that some people watching this might have seen Multispares in and around wherever they live. It's a, it's a growing network. Now, it's a very competitive market given the diversity mm -hmm. of um, vehicle makes and models on the roads, but... Look, the company is actually competing very effectively and is growing its revenues very nicely, and I'll get into that in a moment as well. Uh, just more broadly in describing the company, uh, it, mm. Australia accounts for 83% of its revenue, with uh, New Zealand uh, taking up the rest. And I think, look, the overall thesis for investing in supply network is the fact that heavy road transport, trucks and buses, for the foreseeable future, are basically are an essential service. At least that's the way I see it. So you could have, uh, for example, suppliers of fruit and vegetables in one state trying to sell to another state or to, to, um, to help out with the supply chain of Woolworths and Coles, for example. It's basically just moving food, freight and whatever else has to be moved by truck that can't be moved by rail or, or, or by air effectively and efficiently. So uh, really, that's, uh, I, I think the fact that trucks and buses are, are, are an incredibly essential service and uh, the public and uh, major companies rely on these these services to get their to goods to market. So that, in a network, in, sorry, in a in a couple of words, is really what uh, Supply Network does, and um, nice. it's a pretty simple business, really. I like it, mate. And just I, I got to say too, I, you know, I, I kind of laughed at the beginning about it not being one of the the stocks that's going to make the front pages or get the no. tech crowd excited, but it's actually really important to remember that you don't need that. Um, being a, a significant player in a profitable niche 
has been a wonderful wealth generation tool for a very, very long time for a whole lot of different people in a whole lot of different places, right? Just being really, really good in one very specific area. It needs to be big enough to grow into. It needs to be a good valuation. We'll talk about that. Uh, but having, you know, I, I just... <laughs> Long-term compounding does not require um, Amazon size, I own shares in Amazon, or Apple size market sizes, market penetrations or market opportunities uh, to, to make some money. So let's go to the investment case, mate. You alluded to that and you've kind of all already kind of talked about the fact that there is an ongoing need mm. for what Supply Network does. I assume we're seeing growth. I assume we're seeing value. But take us through, when you look at Supply Network, you've described the business. As an investor, what's, what excites you about Supply Network, mate? Yeah, there's a few things actually. It's a, despite the simplicity of the business, it's actually very very interesting when you go into the the details. Uh, the company uh, basically is stating that what, uh, there's a few drivers for hmm. for uh, I guess the demand that's the company is enjoying. And I mean, I touched on the technologies that goes in that go into modern day trucks. They're they're very complex and they're constantly evolving as well. So. Uh, truck owners and fleet owners simply want to just keep their trucks on the road. They're not necessarily going to be experts in what parts are needed for which part of the engine and so on. Right. So they're going to uh, rely on uh, the people at Multispares to to advise them on this and to keep, I suppose, just maintain the reliability of their fleet. So there's evolving technology. Uh, the increasing number of vehicles on the road, the diversity of vehicles and the parts complexity is, is um, surprisingly high. And the company uh, supply network itself doesn't see any significant trend towards any consolidation in fleets in, in Australia. So I think that's actually going to be a very good thing. Now, just a moment ago, I touched on uh, the vehicle age, and this is actually quite high right now, and it is actually increasing. And I just thought I'd just try to illustrate why the the age of a vehicle or the age of a fleet is so important. Mm. Because if you're a small business owner, but you've got a definitely a good business, and you can actually get goods to interstate or within states, you know, but vast distances away from where the goods are produced, it's going to require a lot of upfront capital. And I, I just had a quick search online just before we recorded this, and I saw a 2012 Mac Prime Mover. So it's it's 10 years old, almost. It had 761,000 kilometres on the odometer, and yet the asking price for this truck was $116,000 plus on roads. Wow, and I thought, yeah, that, that's a fair bit of money. And that doesn't include the trailer. That's just yeah, exactly. the, the engine, the cabin, right, the, right, or the, right. the prime mover itself. Mm. And then if you're looking at newer models, uh, even, even 2016 or 2017 models, you don't even get a price. You just get uh, an invitation to come and talk because <laughs> All right, okay. you, you can imagine it's going to be fairly expensive. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's estimated that, that prime movers will cost at least $200,000 plus, depending on what you're looking okay. for. So. Whether you're a fleet, you might get a small discount if you're buying, say, a dozen or, or twenty trucks. But if you're one, or, if you're only one or two, then the upfront cost is high. So therefore, you're going to really want to do everything you can to, to keep that truck on the road, and, and that obviously means just ensuring that you, you have the parts and you have the uh, the, cut, the truck serviced. Mm. And uh, multi, the multi-spares brand is obviously essential to uh, ensuring that these truck parts. Uh, get to the customers when they actually need them. So it's a bit like Babcor in a way, but they focus on the niche of just trucks and just just buses. So um, that that's the reason why I, I think if you look at the uh, there's a chart there where in, in one of its recent presentations you can see maybe in the first five years of a truck's life, say if they're bought new, sure you might go back to Mac or you might go back to to Kenworth and so on and, and get your parts through and your servicing through them. But as as um, warranties and so on wear off over time and as you just constantly keep keeping those kilometres clicking over because you're keeping it on the road then time will pass and 
rather than going out and spending another $116,000 on a 10-year-old truck, you're probably going to want to keep that truck on the road and uh, just maintain it and just pay whatever has to be paid to to keep it reliably moving. So that's actually one of the theses for for, um, why why I like the business and it's it's Mm. some very good um, underlying demand there for its services. A competitive advantage too that the supply network has is its scale. It's, It's been investing in itself for a long time now and it's possible that anyone could come in and and uh, compete, but um, the investment in prior decades is actually making really good returns now for for shareholders. So I'll, I'll touch on the returns in a minute and, and the uh, valuation. But the, the other thing too is is that supply network. I've actually just gone through and checked the last ten years of announcements. I haven't seen any major announcement where they've actually gone out and made an acquisition. What these guys are doing is they're just organically growing. They're they're looking to expand. I guess the the amount of use by each customer, but they're also moving to new geographies. They're opening up branches in, in new markets and new market segments, and uh, they're opening up a new distribution centre in, in Melbourne. And this doesn't sound that exciting, but when you look at it, you've got a lot of costs which will come out of the fact that they're making these investments, and that's going to be added to the bottom line in future years. Mm. So I actually think they're just... They're so, they're so boring and just so under the radar. Um, but the only thing that's not boring about this company are the returns. So the gross margins have been good. The net margins have been good. And, and the reason for that is I think it's not just a niche in truck and bus parts, but it's also uh, operating at the quality end of the market. It is actually a very competitive space for parts. Right, yeah. But I, I think Supply Network has done a good job of just maintaining really good relationships with its customers. As I say, it's oper- operating at the quality end of the of the market. So... That's important. You might actually have to pay more money for a part to keep that truck on the road. But if it means actually you can keep the truck on the road for a lot longer and it's not going to continue to break down, that's actually going to probably be, be cheaper in the long run. So mm-hmm. uh, the cheapest option up front may not be with multi-spares, but it's probably going to be cheaper over the very long run. So I think uh, that's the, the premise of why customers come back to supply networks. And I, look, I have to say, look, if you're going to look at the biggest expense of any small business operator or any operator that relies on a fleet of trucks, Scott, it's going to be if that truck is off the road and not earning its keep, mm-hmm. it's costing a bomb. So yeah. you just got to keep you just got to keep them on the road, and uh, that's what they're doing. And just finally, I'll just touch on uh, the inside ownership too. The board of directors owns a collective um, 16% of the business, which is really high. And uh, that's a stake worth just under $72 million at the current price, which was, last time I looked at $11 per share. Mate, I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about valuation. You kind of mentioned that yep. before. We've talked about the, the ongoing sort of moderate compound growth of the business. I assume you expect that to continue. I mm. assume it's available for a price that allows that to continue. Um, can you just touch on why we think it's an attractive time and price to buy what is obviously a quality business now? Yeah, look, if you looked at the share price, you'd think it's actually trading at all-time highs. <laughs> so you're yeah. thinking, why am I even talking about something that's trading. <laughs> Look, it's got to be expensive, right? Because it's gone up so much. But, you know, actually, and when yeah, I go through the numbers, yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll start, I suppose, with the averages over the last 10 years. Mm. Between 11, 12 and 15, 16, uh, net profit increased moderately. So it was around mm-hmm. a compound annual growth rate of around 4%. Mm-hmm. So that went from 4 million to about 4.8 million. But I think the investments that the company has made in the last decade, and especially in the last, say, 6 to 12 years, mm. um, a lot of that investment is starting to, to bear fruit, so to speak. So in the five years after that, from 16, 17 up to the most recent financial year, 2021, mm-hmm. uh, net profit actually increased by 6.8, sorry, from 6.8 million to just under $14 million. And, it, mm-hmm. and that, that last um, 
year is a pretty good year. I'll go into that in a second, but that's a compound annual growth rate of 15%. So that's increased from 4% to 15%. It's really accelerated. And so when we look at the valuation, uh, yes, the, 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 um, the multiple has actually increased. And instead of there being a an average of, say, let me just get the figures here. I've got them up in front of me. Um, the 10-year the average for the, the earnings multiple on, on supply networks around 18 times. Mm. The five-year average is around 23 times. And yet, if we look at the, the really good results from last year and the $11 share price, and, and just looking at the number of shares that are out there in the wild, you've got a, uh, a 30, it's about 33.9 cents per, per share, and that provides a a multiple right now of 32 times. So you'd think, okay, well, that's really expensive. But what you've got to do is look into the reliability of its announcements and mm. its forecast for the future. Now, I don't necessarily love, uh, Scott, companies that come out and say, oh, we think uh, net profit's <laughs> going to be whatever yeah. in, in six months' time. I'm with but, you on that one. Yeah, you have. But look, with Supply Network too, you've got a, uh, a management team that have actually done this consistently every January, I guess, and they've actually been, always been pretty much on the mark because they have a really good understanding of their business and what, what drives the business. So what they're saying is is that, um, well, first of all, when I look at the 2021 year, they had a fantastic year. So they, they, they saw revenue grow 19% to $163 million. Uh, net profit actually increased 45% to just under $14 wow. million, as I said. And on a per share basis, that's the same because they, they're not issuing new shares. That's another important factor if it's capital-based. They, they grew also 45%. And so when you look at this fantastic year, it looks reasonably expensive at 32 times, but uh, their mm. recent announcement um, forecast for FY22 is that they're expecting a very good uh, first uh, first half, which is coming up. We'll, we'll get the results on that in, in February. But for the full year, they're expecting revenue to come in around 190 to $195 million and net profit to come in around $19 million. Now, if, that, if they hit that mark and... They, they've, they've put their name on it, basically. Mm. Now, let's just remember, too, that uh, last year, at the end of June, they, they reported uh, net profits of just under $14 million, and yet that's going to $19 million uh, by oh, the end nice. of June this year. Mm. So mm. if they achieve that, and I look at the forward multiple, and I think we do have some justification to, to trust the numbers in this case, Scott, it's actually trading right on its five-year average of 23 times mm. earnings. So uh, is it cheap? No, I think it was really cheap prior to the, the run it's had in the last 18 months, and this is despite the disruptions to to the business through COVID and so on, and I'll talk about the risks in a minute, but it's a company that's actually, um, actually I think, trading... It's not, it's not necessarily cheap, as I say, but it's not, not expensive. It's trading in line probably where it is, and there's that old adage, Scott, where the market is a... Let me just get this right. The market is a voting machine in the short term, but it's a weighing <laughs> machine in the long term, and I think this uh, stock price is being appropriately weighed right now. So... Um, it, it remains a buy on the scorecard at Dividend Investor, and this is despite the 1.8% yield. It's come right down because the price has gone up, but with the sorts of results that we can hopefully expect for 2022, um, mm. what can I say? It, it's, it's not looking as expensive as it might appear at first glance. Beautiful, mate. Love it. That's a great summary, and a business obviously hitting its straps and shelves are it being is. rewarded, which yeah. is, as you say, what you would expect and what you want. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Let's go to those risks you've already you've already kind of just referred to just previously because every business has its risks and we always want to make sure at the Motley Fool, every single recommendation we've ever done, I think probably in the Fool globally, certainly here in Australia, we've always included a risks section uh, because we want to make sure that our members know 
that if you're buying a recommendation, we understand there are risks, nothing is risk-free, so we're saying every time we make a recommendation, we think the upside is well and truly larger than the downside risk. We'll be wrong sometimes, sometimes those risks will actually come to pass, but we, might, we want to make sure that our members know those risks exist. And so when we take a stock of the week to our YouTube channel and, of course, to our podcast, we want to make sure that our listeners and viewers understand that as well. So let's go through the risks to an investment in a business like supply, not like, investment yeah. in supply network. Okay, well, um, an obvious risk is something that has happened in the last 18 months. We've seen border closures in Australia and there's been restrictions certainly in New Zealand. And so the... Whilst there's underlying demand, that mm. in fact it, it has not gone gone away. The demand for for the need for for trucks on the road and buses as well, by the way, uh, mm. um, that if if we were to see, well, we're not really seeing lockdowns now, but we're seeing uh, very strong encouragement, I guess, by governments to to stay at home and not try to spread the mm. The, mm. the virus that's that that's out there in the community. And of course, you've got workforces and so on which um, are being asked to stay away because of concerns over the virus. And of course, that affects operations at at um, at suppliers of fruit and veg or manufacturing or, or whatever it might be, so there's that, and then of course that affects at least in the short term the underlying demand for for the movement of for goods um, wherever right. they've got to go. So, but you know we've actually seen this in real time in the last uh, eighteen months, two years, where it has been affected, and and in, in particular the bus part of the business, the the bus segment, the the uh, the parts, uh, the demand for parts is temporarily dried up because there were just fewer buses on the road and that makes sense because councils and and governments were saying right well we can't we just can't have people moving around so that that's obviously a concern if it continues for an unreasonably length um, or amount of time so Mm -hmm. it's not something i'm really worried about long term i'm actually quite optimistic that we're going to get through this pandemic Um, i think we just have to be optimists i want to be an optimist but there's going to be a lot of up uh, ups and downs with this sort of thing and there could be more disruptions and there could be disruptions to the company which affects the the company's forecasts so there's that but of course just coming back to more mundane things there's um there is some uh s- supply risk in terms of it's got to get the parts into australia so there's that supply chain risk uh yes, from what i've read the supply chain sorry the supply chain risks that we're talking about here are caused by growth so i mean that's a great thing but i think it's just going to take time for for uh, manufacturers of parts and other goods to, to catch up and get those supply chains moving. But the company assures its shareholders that it's actually quite expert at managing this, and uh, I've got no reason to disbelieve that. But it's still something you've got to keep an eye on. And, of course, you've got just uh, the pressure of uh, pricing, which it has to pass on in a very competitive environment still. So um, despite it doing very well, it, it's still got it still has to compete and it's still got to be effective on price, it's got to be effective on service, and, and of course, just keeping customers happy with parts that can be timely because it's so essential for trucks to be on and buses to be on the road so Mm. there's those risks and of course if you had uh, any of the senior management uh, leave for whatever reason um, there'd be a big gap there in the amount of uh, I suppose commercial and business knowledge of the the company it's not just easy just to um, I suppose appoint someone from outside of the business I really like the fact that uh, the directors themselves own a big chunk of the business. Uh, they've been there for quite a while now, and um, I, I, thought, I think if you see any uh, sudden movement at the top of the of the business, uh, that might be a concern as well. Now, especially I talked about price. The price to me is is reasonable. I wouldn't say it's cheap, but it's certainly not expensive. But you could just also have finally uh, so this is the final risk, I guess. Just in the very short term, we, we've got choppy markets at the moment. You could find that for no reason other than the markets are volatile. The price could fall, you know, down below ten dollars, or it could fall fifteen, twenty percent in a very short space of time. But that would be fantastic because it just means a better, better value on offer. But 
Look, it's a company that's trading at all-time highs. That in itself could be considered a risk. But I think for a company that's actually doing everything it's supposed to be doing and growing and still has a plan to reach uh, $250 million in revenue in the next three-year-plus period, it's uh, and its investments in distribution as, as well, I think it's uh, there's more growth coming and it still remains very under the radar. So, you know, there's a few risks there, but I think there's a lot of those risks uh, can be offset just by the quality of the management team and, and the quality of the services that uh, Supply Network provides. Very nice, mate, and very nicely put. Before we get you to wrap the whole thing up, just a reminder, well, you can get more from The Motley Fool in all the usual places, but let's kick it off. If you're listening to this on podcast, make sure you go to our YouTube channel. We have a YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, search for The Motley Fool Australia. You can go straight to youtube.com slash C slash Fool AU. I believe C stands for channel, if that helps you remember it. So slash C slash Fool AU, or just let you go to the YouTube homepage and, and look for The Motley Fool Australia. You'll find us there. If you're already on YouTube and you want to check out some of the podcasts, we do two. We do Motley Fool Money and we do The Good Oil with Scott Phillips. Both great podcasts, both, I think, worth your time and effort. And, of course, if you're only listening to one of those podcasts right now, check the other one out. They're pretty good. Uh, And, of course, you can see us on all the usual social platforms. Facebook, we're at The Motley Fool Australia or I'm at Scott Phillips Money. You can grab us on Twitter. Are you on Twitter yet, Ed? Am I flagging your Twitter account or are you uh, keeping that on the download? No, not, not yet. yet. So it's just the Motley Fool AU on both Twitter and Instagram, or you can get me at TMF Scott P on Twitter and Insta as well. Do check all those out because, you know, I said they're free. Free value, value from the Motley Fool straight to your, well, inbox or YouTube screen or Twitter handle, whatever you're doing with it. We are there and there to share some content with you. All right, mate, let's get back to Supply Network. No S, I've learnt my lesson. Uh, let's wrap it up, mate. The the 60-second elevator pitch as we go from the first to the 31st floor. Why should our viewers and listeners consider buying shares in Supply Network? Okay, well, first of all, Supply Network is a company that really does focus on a niche, so it's not trying to be everything to everyone. It's focusing purely on truck parts and bus parts. It's enjoying good margins. It's enjoying also, a, uh, I suppose, the benefits of uh, a high and increasing vehicle age, which is certainly going to be a driver for demand for its services in the years ahead. Uh, because it operates at the quality end of the market, it's, it's uh, maintaining very good relationships with the vast bulk of its customers. Its recent earnings results have been excellent and it is expected to be more for the 2022 financial year. And finally, you've got a 1.8% dividend yield, which I think can grow this year in line with its expected performance. I don't see the the shares also as necessarily very expensive. I think they're more than reasonably priced for the the sorts of performances it's, it's delivering for shareholders. A beautiful summary. Ed, thank you for sharing your time with our viewers and listeners. Viewers and listeners, thank you for spending some time with us. We know there's plenty of places you could be spending some time, so we appreciate you checking in on our Stock of the Week episode, wherever you're watching or listening to this. Until next time, from Ed, myself and the whole Motley Fool team, Fool on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691. Listener.